We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, almost a month now. Yeah. Got married, got a new job. Things are going pretty well for you, I'd say. Yeah, not too bad so far. Uh, I can't complain, I suppose. It's been probably a solid month since I've been speaking with you, Uh, so it's been just you the last two times, so I apologize for that. Listeners, I apologize for being back because I'm sure you like hearing just him as opposed to my big mouth. Well, I, you know, I thought it was, I was just about to say that people were probably glad you're back and you don't have to just listen to me anymore, but we're glad to have you back, Jacob. So it's Wednesday and lots of stuff happened in Green Bay yesterday. Uh, Two trades going down. We'll start with the first one. We're just going to quickly touch on this. So Ty Montgomery traded off the roster to the Ravens for a seventh-round pick in 2020. (laughs) Really what that tells me is that they were going to cut him, and at least this is my thought process, they were going to cut him, and they basically said, does anyone want him? We'll take him for a box of cookies, you know, not good cookies, but... I mean, is that is that a fair assumption, Jacob? That they were just gonna at this point, from what we've seen, a twenty twenty seventh round pick. I, I mean, that that's that was them saying we're gonna cut you, and if someone will take you, we'll trade you. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that's seventh round pick, sixth and seventh round picks really aren't anything. Uh, if you're of the belief that I am that the draft is actually five rounds long and the sixth rounds and seventh round picks are really just um, preferred undrafted free agents, that's really what it is. Uh, one for next year, I mean, that is me thinking that the Packers were going to cut him uh, and wanted to see if they could get anything for him, but they just wanted to make sure that he wouldn't go to New England, tell Bill Belichick the Packers' entire playbook in order for him to cut him just the next week. So, Because that seems like a perfect Belichick move, isn't it? So, yeah, they wanted him out. It makes sense. Uh, You know, if you – between what sounds like completely disregarding a coach's order to take a knee, throwing a tantrum on the sidelines – and then the locker room dissension that that clearly caused. And, I mean, you could see there's video of Aaron Rodgers saying, take a bleeping knee. The team was pissed at him. The coaches were pissed at him. And Brian Gutekunst is trying to build some culture, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the next big move. But no-brainer, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, I tweeted this out yesterday. And, look, I, on Sunday, I, I admit, I – tweeted something to the effect of time Montgomery don't bother showing up to the airport as you've been cut we now know he's been traded uh, it's fine to be maybe even a little bit excited that he's gone but we've talked about this it's been in the news if you're one of those fans that you know threatened him in any way like seriously you're part of the problem I know Jacob I'm sure you can agree with the sentiment it's not who we are as Packer fans, you know, and, and it happens in every fan base, but we're better than that, and we don't condone that here with Pack-A-Day Podcast. And I don't want to sound preachy, but it's just something that's got to be put out there because it really is unacceptable, in, in my opinion, to, to threaten anyone in, for, for something that's just a game. Absolutely agree. Um, you said you don't want to sound preachy. I will. Uh, if, if you're one of those people, don't listen to the show, uh, quite frankly. I don't. I don't care to know or hear your opinions. It's just a game. Uh, I mean, yeah, was I upset when he fumbled the ball? Absolutely. Do I want the Packers to win? Absolutely. At the end of the day, is Ty Montgomery still a person? I mean, put it this way. I make a mistake at my job. It's not on national television, so nobody's going to see it. Ty Montgomery makes a mistake. That was the game of the week. Everybody saw him do it. He's been getting killed on the radio. It should never get to the point where he's telling his family not to come to his public appearance in the middle of the week. So lowest form of human life. Absolutely. All right, well, with that, we'll move on. Ty Montgomery, no longer a Green Bay Packer. I'm sure many of you are out there are excited about that after last weekend. But we'll move on to the probably bigger news in the sense of what it actually means for the team. The Packers trading safety HaHa Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins for a fourth-round draft pick for next year. Jacob, what do you make of that? Well, it's it's unfortunate. Um I tweeted out after the news happened, you know, Clinton Dix is the first professional athlete I ever got to interview when I thought I was going to be a sports writer. Uh, Obviously, that hasn't panned out um, for various reasons, but because of that, that draft class. So, Clinton Dix, Devontae Adams, Richard Rogers, Corey Lindsley, Carl Bradford, all those guys, I tend to root for them uh, specifically. And he was the guy who answered the first question I ever got to ask. So, I was really in his corner. It just didn't work out that way. Um, unfortunately, but from a team standpoint, again, I think Brian Gutekunst is trying to build a culture. And Clinton Dix gave that interview a couple weeks ago that pissed a lot of people off in the fan base that said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. I'm not sure I'm going to be here next year. Woe is me type stuff. He quit on plays at the end of last year. 
He fails to initiate contact or contact on plays. I think it's interesting because you know the fans are freaking out from the standpoint of they traded away a starter, but it's a starter that you're complaining about every single week when you're watching the games about how he's bad. So if you think that, then the drop-off from Clinton Dix to say Jermaine Whitehead, Josh Jones, Kentrell Bryce, Tremont Williams, whatever they decide to do at safety, it can't be that big of a drop-off to the point where you are that upset about it. They didn't trade away Earl Thomas, and I think that what they're doing, they got a fourth-round pick for this year. They have about $45 million in cap space this come upcoming offseason with no real free agents that you would think are you have to re-sign. So, with that in mind, the the Packers can afford to be aggressive this offseason because I think Gutekunst is saying, I'll take the pick now because I'm not getting a compensatory pick if I'm signing some guys this offseason of free agency. Now, that's jumping way ahead. What all that means remains to be seen. But for today, I think it's clear that Clinton Dix was a problem. I think it was clear that he was a problem in the locker room from what you can gather from everybody and what they've said, what has come out, all that stuff. I think it was they had no interest in re-signing him, so they said it's it's time for you to go. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you bring up the fact that he was a problem in the locker room. That's the third player now. Clinton Dix being a problem, so-called problem in the locker room. Ty Montgomery, after this past weekend, was seeming to be coming a problem in the locker room. And in the offseason, Demarius Randall, and even into last year, was a problem. And Gutekunst has said goodbye to all three of them, which I think, in some respects, as a Packer fan, you kind of have to be excited about in the sense that he's telling you, if you're going to be a problem in this locker room on this team, we don't want you here. We're going we're gonna to put together 53 guys that we think are the best for the team that are going to want to be here and not going to be an issue in the locker room. So I think that's really interesting. But staying on Clinton Dick, so just a couple – you kind of brought it up already. Where do they go? Who do they replace him with? Does Josh Jones finally get his shot at safety? Do they move Tremont Williams to safety? Do they stick Whitehead back there at safety? I mean, what are they going to do to replace him, do you think, moving forward? I think they'll do. I think they'll do some experimentation. They didn't do it without a plan in place. Now, maybe their plan is Kentrell Bryce and Jermaine Whitehead. That's possible. Uh, Tremont Williams has played some safety before. Moving him back to safety would give uh, Josh Jackson more reps at cornerback. Maybe Bashad Breeland more reps at cornerback if he were ready to play. Tony Brown, I know, has been a penalty machine, but he's actually done some decent things in coverage when he's been out there. Uh, I think that the Packers, def- they didn't do this just saying, okay, get this guy out of here and we'll figure the rest out on Thursday when we come out to practice. It's They have a plan. Uh, if it were me, if I'm the head coach, and thank whoever it is that you pray to that I am not, but if it were me, I would be uh, sticking Tremont Williams back there as your quote-unquote free safety. I would have already had Josh Jones installed as the strong safety. I tend to believe in him a little more than most. And... I would be playing Josh Jackson on the outside with Kevin King and Jair Alexander as your nickel corner or your shadow for speed receivers and kind of playing the matchups as well as they can. Because the secondary, there's a lot of youth, but they have a lot of whatever receiver you have they can match up with. If their number one receiver is a big guy, that's Kevin King. If it's a quick twitch fast guy, that's Jair Alexander. If it's a big possession receiving type, uh, you can actually use Kevin King or Josh Jackson on those guys. So... I think that they have a lot of options. I don't think – here's the big thing. 
like I mentioned, everybody's been complaining about how the fact that Clinton Dix isn't that good of a player. The drop-off isn't that bad. The safety position was bad with him here. It's bad without him here. It's kind of like when I'm at work, I always tell people, if you're short-staffed with them here, you're short-staffed without him too. So if they're a problem, get rid of them. And it's clear that that's how they felt. And, you know, and I, I tend to agree. I think what would be nice, I personally, from the limited experience, I guess, that I bring, I would move Tremont back there because I feel like Tremont represents some semblance of having some ball skills. Correct. Um, I, whether or not that translates from his play from corner to safety, you know, I have no idea. But it seems like they don't – their safeties all year haven't, like, had any form of ball skills nope. for – playing coverage and he seems to at least have those ball skills at the corner position so i'd put him back there so that you have at least one safety that says yeah, if you throw up a duck you know i know what I, I know what i'm doing yeah and let me promise you this if jermon williams is playing safety against the minnesota vikings the packers don't tie that game because that wounded duck that Kirk cousins threw between two guys that's an interception jermon williams picks that off whereas kentrell bryce doesn't have a clue what to do Absolutely. Well, so now there's okay. So I want to get to this next point here, which whether or not it's true is one thing. But seeing Packers Twitter yesterday, people were calling it a fire sale, right? You're getting, you're trading these players, and I think that could be farther from the truth because one of the players that they traded away was someone that everyone wanted gone after Sunday anyway. So whether you trade him or cut him, it was someone that universally Packer fans were like he's got to go and like we talked about with with Clinton Dix right you know yeah I think everyone's getting hung up on the fact that Clinton Dix was a first round draft pick and now you've traded him before his rookie contract is up and you only got a fourth round pick back for him but like we've alluded to and said everybody's been complaining about him anyway so who really cares is this a fire sale? I mean, I don't see it that way, but fans seem to think that it's a fire sale. No, I mean, having watched, you know, that's kind of a term used in baseball. And when they have a, you know, when a team has a fire sale, it's really anybody who's a pending free agent. So if it was a true fire sale, Randall Cobb wouldn't be a Packer today. Uh, anybody really with an expiring contract that held any sort of value would have been moved. I, again, I think what this was is Brian Gutekunst saying, if you don't want to be here, Get the hell out. Um, and I think that that's a positive thing because, I mean, I know with Gutekunst coming in, it sounds like a lot of people are just kind of downing the way Ted Thompson has done things in recent years. But I can promise you, if Ted Thompson was still the general manager, both of those players would still be in the locker room today, and he would basically leave it to Mike McCarthy to figure it out. And Mike McCarthy, who, again, I think he's a great coach. Uh, whether or not his time has run its course here in Green Bay remains to be seen. If he does have one fatal flaw, it's he is loyal to a fault. Uh, you've seen that with players. And it really comes to average to below average players at times, too. You know, you're talking about guys like Don Barclay, Josh Walker he was ridiculously loyal to in 2015. Um, who's the other guy? Oh, Jamal Williams this year. You know, it took Jamal Williams one game last year for Mike McCarthy to say he is – unseated Aaron Jones as the starter. And that carried all the way over into all the way up until what looks like last week. So I don't doubt that McCarthy had some coaching staff wisdom, if you will, some bias towards Montgomery, the player, because they've invested so many years in him. And it was up to Gutekunst to say, hey, uh, we got to take him away from you. And, you know, this is what's best for the team. This is what I feel is best for the team. 
Gutekunst knows he's here for the long haul. Mike McCarthy might not be. That's also another another thing. That, I mean, obviously we have, what, you know, 10 games to go or something of that sort left. So plenty of games left to decide whether or not McCarthy can be the coach. But I don't doubt this is Gutekunst establishing a culture again. If you don't want to be here, then go. Yep. Well, and, you know, I, I just want to give Packer fans a little bit of reassurance here. I know everyone seems to be disappointed that they – were sellers yesterday at the trading deadline instead of buyers. It also doesn't help that you hear Ian Rappaport tweeting out that the Packers were in talks with the Jaguars about potentially acquiring Dante Fowler. Um, Ted Thompson, in his tenure as general manager, made 13 trades his entire tenure, and he only made three his entire time there that came after week one. The last time the Packers traded for a player or traded away a player at the deadline or after week one was October 18, 2016, when they traded for Chiefs running back Niles Davis, who they promptly cut a week later. Um, Then before that, in 2010, they traded for Jaguars Smith. And then before that, it was 2006 when they traded for Sam Comgato. That's, oh, yeah. that's an old throwback name. Um, One of my but, favorite players for that stretch of that awful, awful season. <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I'm right there with you. But So, you know, maybe not you know what you're looking for as far as acquiring players for this year, but I think the overall message that it sends from Gutekunst is that this is not going – I think at this point, if you are a Packer fan that feels that Gutekunst is Ted Thompson 2.0, I don't think you've been paying attention to anything Gutekunst has done since taking over as general manager. I think as far as who Ted Thompson was as a person, I think Gutekunst is the complete opposite of what Ted Thompson was for the Packers. Um, so, Jacob, I want to move into a couple other questions so Packers traded away two players, which means they have two roster spots yep. that they can do whatever they want with. What do you think they do with these roster spots? Well, I mean, we're kind of throwing darts at the wall and seeing what sticks, and I'm sure what will happen is we're recording this at about 6.30 on Tuesday night, so by the time you've heard it, they'll have already made those moves. Um, but I would guess that it makes sense that Ty Montgomery was their kickoff returner, they're going to need somebody to take over that role. I know a lot of people are going to clamor for Jake Kumaro, the preseason star, the Whitewater kid, all that stuff. The reality is I just don't know what you can do with him on game day because I doubt he's playing a big role on special teams. So with that in mind, I think inserting Trevor Davis and basically having him as here's our kick returner and our punt returner for the remainder of the season if he's healthy, which I assume he is at this point, but if he's healthy, they could bring him back and plug him in pretty easily. And then some random unnamed guy who happens to play running back, uh, whether that's, I think it was Darius Jackson was his name that was on the roster earlier in the season. Somebody of that ilk. I mean, obviously they're not signing Adrian Peterson. Not that they could, but somebody of that, you know, that name stature there. They can't do that. Um, you know, and reality is three running backs – with the way McCarthy's going to run his offense, proved to be a bit of a crowd, and you saw that. You know, this Sunday, Aaron Jones had 33 snaps, Ty, uh, Jamal Williams had 12, and Ty Montgomery had six. So, to try and split those among three backs, I think that what you're going to see is Aaron Jones is your guy. I'm hoping at least that that's the case. Aaron Jones is your guy. Yeah, that's hopefully. 
Jamal Williams is your second guy. You're rotated back in. And the third guy, maybe he's active on game day. Maybe he's not. Uh, but the big thing for him is just going to be, are you ready if one of those guys gets hurt? That's really about all I can see. So Trevor Davis and some random ass running back. And, well, first of all, let's start with Trevor Davis and Kumaro. I think the smart play for Green Bay would be to bring Trevor Davis back because you know he can return kickoffs and you know he can return punts. You need a special teams guy to replace Montgomery, who was returning your kickoffs. Um, as far as Kumaro, I love Kumaro, but I think with the way that St. Brown and Valdez Scantling have played, yep. combine those two with Adams and Cobb and Allison, and I just don't see Kumaro ever seeing the field, even if he is good, just because he hasn't been practicing with Rodgers, yep. and the two rookie wide receivers have really stepped up. I think... I just I don't see any point, like you said, in bringing him back. I think Trevor Davis, like you said, makes much more sense for special teams. Now, I have this. Now, tell me, Jacob, if you think this thought is crazy. So, there's everyone's been wondering okay, so Valdez Scantling, Equinim, and St. Brown, while they're not like stars, right? They seem to be coming on and seem to be playing pretty well, enough to the point where you'd love to see them on the field more, right? Right. Well, I had this crazy idea that. Oh, boy. Randall Cobb, at one point, was Ty Montgomery. They ran him out of the backfield, yeah, and he returned kickoffs. Is there a possibility that instead of signing another running back, they just simply move Cobb as a that quote-unquote third running back like they had for Ty Montgomery, and then that would allow you to keep him on the field while opening up opportunities for Valdez Scantling and and Equinemia St. Brown to see the field. Is that a crazy idea? I mean, I don't think that's what they'll do, but I mean, would you be blown away if they decided to do that? No, they've done it before. I know that would piss off my podcast partner, Jason Perrone, for reasons I'm not 100% sure of because he's never really fully explained it to me, but he hated when they put wide receivers in the backfield. He just hated it. Even though putting, I remember very specifically, they called it the Cobra Package. And that was Cobb in the backfield, and Montgomery took his spot as the slot receiver. And they basically beat the Seahawks using that package in 2015. So I think that for this week specifically, I definitely think that's a possibility just because if you get a running back off the street, he's not going to learn enough of the offense quickly enough to get anything that resembles snaps on the field. So, for example, knock on wood, Jamal Williams gets hurt Sunday night in New England. I think that your other back then becomes Randall Cobb. Um which, I mean, again, you're talking about, you know, 15, 20 snaps max per game, so that's not that big of a deal. But in order to get those other guys on the field, like you mentioned, Valdez Scantling actually outsnapped Cobb and Allison on Sunday. So whether that was they were limiting them coming off a hamstring injury or Valdez Scantling's earned more opportunities, I hope it's the latter, just because we've talked about this before. His speed alone answers some of the questions that you have. Um, on this offense so not only that but St. Brown I mean when he's on the field and it hasn't been often and I'm sure there are reasons for that but he's made plays I mean he had a big catch on Sunday the most of his opportunities when he's been on the field that's for sure and I'm I mean I'm just your random ass Twitter draft scout guy so I just watch YouTube videos in the offseason and grade my guys there but for whatever that's worth to you guys I had a third round grade on St. Brown I loved him as a prospect the Packers could have drafted him with the pick they took Oren Burks with and I would have been elated. Like, that would have been just fine with me. When they got him in the sixth, I was like, oh, my God, they got a third-round pick in the sixth round. So getting those guys on the field, finding opportunities. 
That's something that we've kind of been talking about with Mike McCarthy anyways. Find the ways to get your best players on the field. St. Brown may very well be one of those guys. Uh, Valdez Scantling may very well be one of those guys. Putting Cobb in the backfield more often is a way to do that. So I don't think that's a crazy idea because McCarthy's done that before. Well, and so now this is another interesting thought that, that I'm thinking about here is, so Gutekunst has shown with what he's done so far is that he's not fully tied to players, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to get a contract extension from him, you're going to have to earn it, right? You're He's not just going to give you a contract to give you a contract. Right. And Randall Cobb is on the last year of his current book. And he'll be a free agent, you know, come the offseason. And I know there's a lot of people that think that they won't re-sign him. Now, whether or not that's going to be true, you know, that's way too far down the line. But do you think that there's any possibility that if Green Bay right now is thinking, we're not bringing him back next year, does... Do we see him on the bench more for players like Valdez Scantling and and uh, St. Brown just because of the fact that, yeah, maybe in this current moment he might be more valuable because he knows the offense more than they do? But is Green Bay, does Green Bay look long picture, big picture, at any of these positions and say, Cobb's better right now because of what he knows, but Valdez Scantling and St. Brown are the future, and we know we're not bringing Cobb back? Does that play a decision, uh, you know, any role in their decision making as far as how much these players see the field? Boy, that's an interesting question. I think that the easy answer to that is if they are out of the playoff picture, that tends to be when teams play their younger players over the established vets anyways. Um, you kind of saw that last year. Michael Clark, for example, got more playing time once the Packers season was over. Um, so I do wonder, I think right now, obviously, Um, Cobb's going to see the field. He's a trusted target. Here's the thing. If Randall Cobb is playing on this roster, both this season and I would even say this for, like, if he wants to come back for $4 million a season for, like, two years with no guarantees as far as making the roster, I would be okay with bringing him back uh, personally. But for this year, uh, you know, he's a $10 million receiver. That's kind of what we've been talking about since 2014 is you want more plays out of him. He's still a reliable target. He still knows Aaron Rodgers very well. I think that he's useful. The problem that the Packers have right now is, yeah, like you're saying, these guys have an immense amount of talent. And it's it's really a good question as to whether Cobb should be phased out a little bit more. Again, I wouldn't mind bringing him back. You know he can contribute on special teams. You know he can still play the position. If nothing else, be a good possession third down type receiver for who the next head coach is. Maybe he can creatively use him a little bit better than McCarthy has these last couple years. But if they're out of the play, let's just say for kicks and grins, hopefully this doesn't happen, but let's say they lose to New England, Miami, and Minnesota. Now you're talking 3-6-1 and one going into December. You're really like one loss away from essentially being eliminated, depending on how the rest of the NFC goes. If they get eliminated from the playoffs or essentially eliminated – that's when I would like to see those young guys because then, yeah, you have to know, is St. Brown capable of stepping in as your starting slot receiver next year? Because that's what you're looking at. Uh, Valdez Scantling's playing now, so you don't really have to phase anybody out to put him on the field. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a possibility as we go down the stretch here. Well, so, all right. I want to move into, we've talked about a lot of the news that's, been going on in Green Bay. We talked about a hypothetical. Let's quickly touch on this coming weekend. Now, I'm going to 
eat a little bit of crow here. A couple weeks ago, after the Packers struggled to beat the 49ers, I came out and I said, look, I think Green Bay is not a playoff team, and I don't think that their last couple of games, I don't even think they'll be playing for a playoff spot in their last couple of games. That still could be true, given where they're at. I do like, I think they've figured some things out, though, right? Even though they lost on Sunday, they went toe-to-toe with the best team in the league on the road. Mm-hmm. That's That's got to be a positive sign, just in the sense that at least you know you can hang with people. Jacob, right now, the NFC North is very cluttered. It is four and three Chicago, four, three and one Minnesota, three, three and one Green Bay, and three and four Detroit. Everyone's got three losses, and it seems like a division that's up for grabs right now. And, you know, everyone says it's a must win this weekend, and I I'm now of the feeling that it's 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 not that it's not a must win, but I like it's it's a game that you really like to win, but it, it it doesn't necessarily feel like a must win because of where they're sitting. And I mean, this weekend now, I, I, I we'll go through the schedule quick. The Bears, they're on the road playing the Bills, and Nathan Peterman's going to be starting. So I, mean, I don't <laughs> think he played at this point. I think we can just save everyone the time and the effort, and we can just assume that Chicago is going to be five and three. Yep. Right. We got the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, which will be a tough game, but. As we've seen people talk about on Twitter, um, I think Green Bay, in on paper, matches up very well with New England. They do. I believe it was Tyler Grezegorik, one of our own contributors here, that made that comment. They do. And and then the Lions are playing the Vikings, so you're getting someone for sure with a division loss this weekend. Yep. You know, I mean, is it truly panic time in Green Bay, given where the division stands? <laughs> No, um, and I'll admit I ate a little. I'll eat a little crow myself because uh, after after the Rams game ended, uh, Nick, I talked to you a little bit after that game ended. And I was like, "This is the most like demoralized I've been after a regular season loss." Um, I don't know if you could call this Sunday a must win, just because, like you said, where the standings are now from a morale standpoint. After a demoralizing loss like that, where you, I mean, the Packers, you can tell by the way they feel. They felt they gave the game away. Rogers said, you know, 29-27, and we gave them two. So that's how they feel about where they were at. Um, it's tough saying. You know, I, I think that from a – I don't believe in game-to-game momentum. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that that's a thing necessarily. But from a standpoint of building confidence, because there's a lot of guys in this locker room, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, uh, plenty of guys that have been here for what I said was during that Rams game, I was like, I feel like I've seen this movie before. And what I meant by that was road game, better opponent, Packers play well, come up short in like the most demoralizing way possible. And that's what they did. And the Packers are used to that point. You know, we kind of talked a little bit and said, you know, when's the last time Green Bay's won a game like that one? I think that that could do a lot for their confidence of, hey, we just beat the, like, I know that the Patriots don't look as good as they have in recent years. I know they didn't look that great last night against Buffalo, who is, as you mentioned, not a good football team. Uh, I don't think that's unfair to say at all. They didn't look that great last night, but they're still the Patriots. Beating them is a benchmark win, no matter what way you slice it. They still have Tom Brady. They still have Bill Belichick. That's the kind of game that you sign up for at the beginning of the season. And if you had told told me before the season started, you're going to get one between the Rams and the Patriots. I know that I should pick the Rams because it's a NFC game, 
an NFC opponent, and that'll matter for the standings, home field advantage, tiebreakers, stuff like that. I still would rather beat the Patriots just because they're the Patriots. Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. I don't want anything to for some idiot to point out, well, you know, whose team won that game in November, as if that is a freaking tiebreaker. But um, I, I think that it's big for the morale uh, going through the rest of the season, and it really puts you in a good spot. Like you mentioned, if they're 4-3-1, and one, and let's just say Minnesota loses and they're 4-4-1, four, four they're half a game behind Chicago, who they've already beaten, and they haven't lost at Soldier Field since 2010. For those of you keeping score, that was a really long freaking time ago. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a must-win, but I would say you really got to have it because, like I mentioned, you know, that Seattle game at the beginning of the year, we looked at that and was like, yeah, Seattle's not that good. But that's a tough situation. That's going to be a tough game on Thursday Night Football. Minnesota in the Dome, the Packers have never won at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings match up really well with them. It sounds like it's good. Sounds like it's time for a win there. It is time for yeah, it is time for a win there this year. But before that, they got to get to this game here. They got to beat the Patriots. I think. I don't know if I want to call them like it's not going to end their season. Like if they lose, I can't say oh man, they definitely should have gone for the fire sale, if you will. But I think they should win. They need to win. And like you mentioned, they match up well. I mean, their defense, Jair Alexander, can shut that stuff down with Julian Edelman. Um, whoever with Josh, I I personally think Josh Gordon's one of the most overrated players in football. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about him. As I say that, he'll have 175 yards and two touchdowns. I know that. Nobody matches up. Right now, Jacob, if he does have 175 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns, you're going to have a lot of explaining to do to yeah, our audience. That's okay. I'll be willing to do that. Uh, Gronkowski, nobody matches up well with Gronkowski, but I think that if Josh Jackson can at least just kind of break even with him or barely win that matchup or you know just barely make it so Rob Gronkowski doesn't ruin your game. And then they've got guys like Burks, Williams. Uh, they have the personnel to match up with that Patriots passing game. The Patriots can't even pretend to run the ball. And defensively, their secondary is beat up. They have Stephon Gilmore and a bunch of dudes. Like, there's, well, I take that back. Mr. McCourty, the, the safety is pretty good. But other than that, they don't have a whole lot back there. The Packers passing offense should be able to score some points. You know, and this is a game that I personally feel, if it was at Lambeau, I would actually, I wouldn't even consider picking the Patriots other than Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I, right. I think this is a game that really comes down to if New England wins, I think it's going to be because it's at Foxborough and, Foxborough and not at Lambeau. Well, let's also be clear. Be if this game was at Lambeau, we'd be there. Like, <laughs> those guys don't come around so often. You're there. Right. So, well, all right. So, Jacob, we've covered a lot of stuff today. We've talked about the trades. We've talked about... You know, different players stepping up, Valdez, Scantling, Equinemius, St. Brown. I want to give you final thoughts of anything that you feel like we may have left out today. Yeah, I would say, you know, for everybody, you don't have to have, like, this concrete opinion on what's going on. The Packers have a plan as far as their safety position goes. Like I mentioned before, everybody, I mean, Nick, would you agree the Packers' safety position was poor with Clinton Dix in the lineup? I thought it was atrocious with him in the lineup, yes. There you go. So... I guess my question is, how much worse can it really be without him in the lineup? I think it almost, that's, feels, it almost feels like they're at bottom, and there's only one way to go up. Like, you can't go any further down other than just not playing a safety. Right. I feel like it's the only way it could get worse at this point. Right. Like I mentioned earlier, I think it's fair to question. Like I said, it only took them, what, eight games to figure out they didn't want Clinton Dix around anymore. So if you knew that, 
why were you not more aggressive with like Trey Boston or Tyran Matthew or somebody like that to address the safety position? I think that's a fair question at this point. But I also think that, you know, we kind of talked about Gutekunst reshaping this roster. And there's only so much he could do in that first spring because he knew the Aaron Rodgers extension was coming. He wanted this year to play out. Like if Clinton Dix has an all-pro year, he gets an extension. I think that's fair to let him try and prove it, if you will. I kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth there. But in the spring, they only had they had a limited amount of draft, uh, draft capital and cap space. This year, now, they have five picks in the first 120, more likely than not. And they'll have about $45 million of cap space. You want to see Brian Gutekunst reshape the roster? Now, if the Packers go into training camp next season with $30 million in cap space, yeah, I think you've got some questions to have as to whether things are just going to be same old, same old, uh, as far as the Ted Thompson regime goes. But I think that... To quote Don Brown, which is Michigan's defensive coordinator, solve your problems with aggression. And what I mean by that is you have five picks in the top 20. Move up and get your blue chip player if you have to or if you want to. And find some guys on that free agent market to patch you know, the holes from there. I think this offseason, not that I want to get into offseason and draft mode, because really what I'm hoping for is the Packers to win their next eight, nine games and win the Super Bowl. Um but the offseason, I think, would be very exciting for Green Bay. And I think that that's something, just kind of let the process play out. Let's see what they do at the safety position. Maybe it's Tremont Williams. Maybe it's Bashad Breeland. Maybe it's Josh Jackson. Maybe it is Kentrell Bryce and Jermaine Whitehead. But that also says that they know that that position is a problem and they need to address it this offseason. Quite frankly, you're not going to make that position good. I think what happens, I think we've talked about this before, too. I think what happens is we all play Madden and we all play franchise mode. So we know that when Aaron Jones is my starting running back and he goes down, there's some random dude on the free agent market and I just go sign him because he's rated an 85 instead of a 74, which is what my backup was. So I make that position good. Everybody thinks they're a general manager and the reality is, I mean, this is fun. I like talking about this stuff. Uh, I am just as concerned as some of you guys are, but we aren't GMs just because we happen to play Madden on the Xbox. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's not as e- you know, if it was as easy as everyone on Twitter made it sound, we would all be doing it. I'd be making so, a hell of a lot more money than I am right now. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Well, we are out of time. Uh, Jacob, I want to give you one little bit of information here. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Congratulations on your Wolverines making number five. I know number it's five. not what you want, but you got you got quite a bit of time left to get into that top four. Michigan being ranked number five right now in the college football playoffs. Congratulations to you and your Wolverines. Beat Penn so, State. We're out of time for today, Jacob. If people want to follow you, get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yes, I am at Jacob Westendorf. Follow me for anything related to anti-Ohio State Buckeyes, anti-Michigan State Spartans, uh, anti-Boston Red Sox, who happened to uh, – this baseball season never happened, I think is what, what the deal was. Uh, and then Packer stuff. Actually, you guys have been very active in talking to me the last – six, seven days or so. That's what makes it fun because, you know, I always say on my other show with Jason Perrone is we're not getting famous off this stuff. That'd be great if we could, but we're not getting famous off this stuff. We do this because we want to talk to Packers fans, uh, talk Packers football. So please feel free. Reach out, talk to me. There's no such thing as a stupid question um, unless you want to ask me if the Packers should bring, like I said this week, uh, if we're talking new Packers head coaches, that's fine. If you suggest that Bill Cowher should come out of the booth, to be the Packers coach, I will block you immediately. Um, that's well, where I'm at. Well, a quick question. If you're talking about Packers coaches, uh, can we get uh, Jim Harbaugh on loan? No. 
I know this sounds strange because I do think Jim Harbaugh is a great head coach. I actually don't want him to be the Packers coach, not just for selfish reasons. So here you go. I'll add this last tidbit. I'm sorry. Uh, here's my thing. If the Packers do decide to move on from Mike McCarthy, here are my requirements. I don't have names because I think it's impossible to know how a coordinator will do in the head coach as well. So I've said this before, but it's young, offensive-minded, invested in analytics, and not Josh McDaniels. So that's the only name I'll give you. No Josh McDaniels, no Jeff Fisher, no John Fox, no Bill Cowher. Make sense? And, and no Jim Harbaugh. And no, yeah, no Jim Harbaugh. What about Urban Meyer? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I actually think that Urban Meyer could be a okay NFL head coach. Like, here's my thing. If you're like, not the Browns specifically now, but a team like that who's like Tampa Bay. The last time Tampa Bay had a good head coach was John Gruden's first stint in the NFL, right? So to me, I think it's better for them to take a shot on a guy like that instead of just hiring retread after retread. Because if Urban Meyer sucks and bombs out, one, Urban Meyer can go back and have a job in whatever college he wants to. Two, you're just in the same position that you were in anyways where you'd hire Dirk Cutter and fire him after three years. So not really for the Packers just because Aaron Rodgers is here and there's time that's of the essence. But a team like that, I think they should take a chance on a guy like that. All right. Well, that will officially wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you again, guys, for listening. My name is Nick Schmitz. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsSchmitty. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. We're up on Facebook. Uh, and like Jacob was saying, we do this because we want to talk to Packers fans. So if you have stuff that you want us to talk about on the podcast, let us know. Let Andy Herman know he is our – how is it, Jacob? Do you put it as he our godfather? The godfather, that that's right. All right, yeah, Andy Andy Herman, the godfather of the Packaday podcast. Let him know. Let individual hosts know. Let us know what you guys want to hear because ultimately we're here for you guys. We want to talk – mostly about what you guys want to talk about. We don't want to be homers all the time, but again, you guys drive the bus, right? You tell us where to go, and uh, so, you know, let us know. And as always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with me again for the third time in, what, six weeks. We're very grateful to have Jacob back. We love talking to you guys, and thanks for listening, and as always, go Pack Go. Third and six, trailing 30-23, to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Yes! Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking. Hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the tackle, reach back. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. Devontae's got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby delivers the dagger! 
One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.